This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning, the following broadcast contains adult language, adult content, frank safety discussions, and stories that might sound unbelievable. But believe me, every one of those stories is true. We didn't start the safety war, but we are going to fight to win it. For our families, for our communities, for our workplaces, and for our lives. Welcome to Safety Wars. We're talking about a safety revolution. When we started out on our trailer, which was listed as episode one, we talked about a safety revolution. Well, I stepped in it this week. I got involved in a LinkedIn discussion. Tried to avoid doing those things because you get a lot of negative feedback on that. And very little positive feedback. But like I said, the revolution starts here. It starts in your workplace. I would argue, well, let me go back to what the discussion was. The discussion was Gen X's. We have the uh, uh, generational differences. And with Gen X's, Gen Xers, we we're told to basically go put our nose in the grindstone, put our, uh, no, keep working, and eventually we're going to be successful and be in leadership positions. Sort of like that song, Allentown by Billy Joel. There's a line in there, if we work hard and if we behave, right, and then we would, then things would turn out okay. Those weren't the exact words, but that's what the idea. And basically, our, the teachers lied to them. Right? We believe the teachers work hard, blah, blah, blah. A lot of that is with what I've experienced here. We were given turnkey solutions, turnkeys. Well, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be this, at least in my world. And a lot of us never got there. A lot of us, we went to school for one thing and became something else. We had a lot of people didn't go to school, had an interest in one thing, turned out into something else, or stayed with it in all different combinations here. But what, what are we seeing with the next generation, the millennials and Gen Z? This is what I'm seeing. A lot of folks are encouraged to seek leadership positions. We have a whole host of leadership resources out there. I have one myself that I use in a presentation on leadership. And well, then I give to clients and uh, other groups. And part of a lot of what we're seeing here, especially since the pandemic, is people saying, well, why am I not in a leadership position if they're in Gen X? And if you're going to be in the millennial or the other uh, Gen Zs, right? They are going, they're out there saying, we want to be part of leadership a lot earlier. There's a lot of demographic differences. So, for example, there's a lot more gen millennials and Gen Zs than there are Gen Xs. Baby boomers, there's plenty of them, but they're exiting the workforce slowly but surely. Now we have a whole thing here. Well, there's not enough Gen Xers to fill the boots of the baby boomers. So we are now promoting the younger people, the less experienced people, into management positions because they have to do that. This is what we call evolution. This is how things are evolving. We're not talking about evolution here while things are evolving. We're talking about revolution. Revolution is change in a short period of time. I think we're undergoing a workplace revolution now with a lot of the new initiatives, whether you like them or not, the woke initiatives, for lack of a better word, for want of a better word, but revolution. When we talk about a safety revolution, this is what we're talking about. You're in a workplace, Oh, uh, and you hear the same thing over and over again. Well, blame the worker. We're going to try a new initiative. Uh, you got somebody in there who knows they're only going to be there in the short term. 
and oh, well, we're gonna have a short term. This is our initiative that we're gonna have, and then okay, we got the same results. So you may have a short run of really good results, and then all of a sudden the person moves on. Everything turns to Gwuvno, you're back to square one, they bring someone in, now we're gonna go, and it's the same thing repackaged. We're seeing that with behavior-based safety. I'm not gonna mention specific names, but one of my clients went to uh, someone other than me, and they got a repackaged form of behavior-based safety. And it was the same terms and everything else. And I said, look, they found, they found out. I said, if that didn't work for you in the past, why are you doing it again? Doesn't seem to make sense to me. And what happened? They ended up going into it again and got the same results. Different names, different words, slightly different concepts repackaged. Now we have human and organizational performance. I don't know if the listeners here, especially the newer ones, know what a revolutionary idea that is. But we're going to be approaching safety with the five principles of human organizational performance. When I saw all of those principles and people like right here on the network actively promoting them, I said, wow, I need to be part of this. This is the revolution that you want to be part of. We're not talking about evolution where we're going to buy, oh, well, we're going to do this and maybe 20 or 30 years later, we're going to get to safety utopia because at that point, the leadership is going to be retired. They're going to install it change for as long as they can so what are the five principles of human and organizational performance if you google it you'll get different answers but i go by dr todd conklin and what his five principles are and this is what you're going to get in a safety wars training class number one human error is normal there is no human being that does not make errors but what you need to do is figure out how your work area and how your systems are set up to bring error rates down. I use the, I'll use a, a simple one, and I'll, some of our listeners will laugh about this. Back in the day, we did not have electronic timesheets. Yeah, really, we're talking when I got into the industry. A lot of industry, a lot of companies still do not have electronic timesheets. But what happened was, timesheets in the office kept getting lost. And it was very frustrating because you walk into an office, early 1990s, late 80s, and you see a sea of white. White paper, printer, no email, this, that, the whole, the whole thing. Is it any surprise that timesheets would get lost? So what was my uh, uh, solution? I said, well, why don't we put the timesheets on different colored paper? And if they're on different colored paper, then I think you're more likely to see the timesheet. Oh, they're scoffing on them. Well, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. I said, look, I don't think anyone's deliberately losing timesheets here or anything, but why don't we put it on a different... Ah, I said, I tell you what, I'm going to put mine on blue paper. Azure paper, if you want to get fancy there. And guess what happened? My timesheet never got lost again. Right, And then other people started doing it, caught on. So that was one way we could eliminate human error, an easy solution. We're looking at solutions like that. Setting up your work area so it's as error-free free as possible. You're reduced, but you're still going to have errors. People make mistakes. Number two, blame fixes nothing. What what does blame really do? Our previous podcast went into that with the uh, death of Anne H. What, what are you going to do? Blame? Shame on you. You didn't do X, Y, and Z. Shame. 
I, I mean, what do you, okay, then what? Oh, Frank did it. Frank fouled up. So now, we got rid of Frank. Now there's going to be no other further foul-ups out there. That's not what reality is. Learning is vital. I'm going to say this is really important. I'll use this example, getting back to uh, the millennial group and Generation Z, at least in my community in New Jersey and New York. I've lived in, right now, I live in a little bit of an affluent community, thanks to my wife. And what happens compared to where I grew up? When I grew up, let's say I wanted my room painted. I had three brothers. My mother would go and tell my brothers or my father would go out and with me and say, okay, what color do you want your room? And we only had a choice. No, it couldn't be blue, it couldn't be gray, it had to be yellow. It had to be like institutional green and or, or uh, some other color, really simple, basic colors. And then an older brother, an older sibling, in my case, somebody else in the house, they take you to whatever bedroom you wanna do. You wanna go and you wanna learn, okay, this is how you go and this is how you paint. You scrape, surface prep, you go in there, you do this, you put down the chocolate, you go through the whole thing. And then what happened? You learned a valuable skill. You learned how to paint. Same thing with cutting grass. Nobody hired a landscaper in my neighborhood. My father was like, hey, I got three sons. Some one of you get your butts out there and do the uh, cut the grass. So that was how you learned how to cut grass. You learned basic skills, basic landscaping skills. What are we looking at today? Especially if you're living in an urban environment, right? Rental properties. You're living in an affluent community, anything like that. You're, uh, hey mom, I want my room painted. Okay, honey, let's go and let's call up a uh, contractor and we'll get a really nice paint job. Oh, and what color do you want? I want magenta, hun. I want magenta, mommy. Right, that's what I want because I'm a future safety professional and magenta is the color of P100 cartridges. But, you know, you, this is the kind of thing. Now you're not learning a skill, you're learning management. Managing other people, which is a skill in itself. You're managing the contractor, but you're not actually learning the skill. This is why we say learning is vital. Brent Sutton, and he's a big proponent of learning teams, the practice of learning teams. That's a podcast here. And he's a friend of the program. Learning. Learning how to do the job. Learning how to do your job enough to manage the safety-wise so you can make some sense of it, so you're able to manage people. Got to learn. Learn those jobs. Context drives behavior. Number four, what is context? What context are we in? I used the example of a couple years ago, there was an accident investigation I had to do on September 11th. It was a stuff that the accident happened on September 11th. It was a Friday. And Monday, we ended up doing the accident investigation and everything. Well, what's the context here? Context was September 11th, Patriot Day, end of the summer. End of the summer. You had a senior level person with a very strong personality uh, out in the field with a junior level person which contributed to the accident because the junior level person wasn't going to argue with the senior level person going on and on on all this stuff they expected an accident report that said well this employee did not do x y and z and therefore he's to blame he wasn't following procedures well what was the context to that context was everything i just mentioned and more including he had a uh uh, death in the family on September 11, 2001, and guess what? Maybe that was impacting. Maybe you should have had the day off on that day. To mourn, right? We're 
Jay Allen's been talking about the cycle of mourning lately. So what's the context of this? When you see the whole context and how this job was encouraged to be done improperly and they were using the wrong equipment, guess what? That's the context. It's not the worker's fault. What's the context? What are we looking at? What's everything else going on? The fifth one is how you respond to failure matters. This is what happens. You get people out there and they freaking freak when something goes wrong. Well, if you freaking freak when something goes wrong, how do you think someone is going to uh, react? How are they going to go and report things to you? That may be a problem. So maybe you can get on the front with a leading indicator and trying to prevent things rather than responding to them. So I use this example. I had my uh, friend Dave uh, in a meeting and it was a weekly safety meeting and people were not reporting things there. They were, I'm not saying report things on each other. They, yeah, they had a near-miss good catch reporting program, but nobody wanted to correct each other. And it was because of the pushback that they got from their employees, from their coworkers, from management, the whole thing, right? So for example, I said, Dave, just play along with what I'm gonna do here. We're gonna like have a skit here. And I had the skit and I said, Dave, I want you to tell me to put on my safety glasses. And Dave says, Jimmy, put on your safety glasses. And I say to him, and this is, who the bleep are you to tell me to put on safety glasses? I trained you, not the other way around. You're the newbie here. You've only been doing this for seven years. I've been doing it for 25 years. And he was in a state of shock and everything else. Uh, and everybody, and I said, okay. Now, do you think with a reaction like that that I'm giving Dave, do you think that Dave is going to go and tell me next time that my safety glasses are off. Or pick the hazard. Doesn't have to be safety glasses. Hearing protection, getting the right permit, getting the right tools for the job, all the other stuff that could cause an accident. You think Dave's gonna tell me that? Silence in the room. I said, well, this is part of what the issue is here with you folks. If someone tells you you're doing something wrong or you can improve something, take it to heart. If you're in management, you better take it to heart. You better go out there and you better go out there and, okay, let's correct it. Because this is, this is, these are the kinds of conversations that are happening in the field here. And we're looking to change that. I didn't call it the safety war back there. But guess what? The uh, management appreciated that. Why? Because it was a little bit of a different approach. We all got into a good laugh out of it, obviously. And Dave still talks about it until this day. He's one of my best friends. And... That sort of thing. How you respond matters. If you respond overly bearing and everything else, no one's going to report shit to you. No one's going to do anything. It's going to be negative on the workforce all the way around. If you respond to a failure, right? I had a failure with, a, with an employee. An employee made a mistake. Not so much a mistake, but they could have handled something better. So the employee comes to me and she's like, oh, Jim, and she's all nervous and everything else. I said, okay. I said, I bet you're not going to do that again. She looked at me. She said, you're not mad at me? I said, mistakes happen. You could have handled this a little bit better, of course. But look, you're relatively new to the industry. You probably don't have the life experience to deal with this type of situation yet. With this, and you're, you're dealing with someone who is much more experienced and knows all the answers and all the questions better than you do. And I'm not saying anything against you. I have expectations of somebody who's in the industry for two years versus someone who's in the industry for 25 years. Just the way it is. So what do we do? Okay, we responded to it. I said, okay, no problem. This is how we're going to do it next time. And we're going to have, uh, mark this out in your little uh, notebook or whatever you keep nowadays. I don't know. 
right? When this happens, this is how you respond. This is what we need to do. And once we have now, we're setting up a system that brings it all the way back to number one, human error is normal. And we're going to work to eliminate human error. So in this case, we have a script. Did I blame her for this situation? No, didn't blame her. It wasn't her issue. But what if I would have said, well, you know, that was a real stupid thing for you to do. Do you think that then she would have been coming to me, reporting things, and there were problems? Probably not. Number one. Number two, had she, she could have made it worse by thinking up and coming up with problems that I already have solutions to, or possible solutions to, and we work together for the appropriate solution here. So let's go back to our original premise. Right? And I know I went all over the place here, but what else is new? The safety revolution. It starts with you. You don't want evolution. You don't want slow progress all the time. Because that's going to take you further off course. You want to have some type of a revolution here. And this is what human organizational performance is. It's a revolutionary way of thinking and doing things. And to have that safety revolution that we talk about. And to do what we want to what, what's our purpose? To win that safety war. Not going to win the safety war through slow evolution. For safety wars, this is Jim Polzel. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Are you tired of hiring safety consultants and safety professionals that don't have any passion for what they're doing? How about those who have never worked in the field or done the dirty work? Is there resistance to taking safety training because the training is boring, irrelevant, and unengaging? Are your employees playing a team, college student, or someone on the dark web to take the online safety training for them? Look no further. Safety Wars can come to your facility or do most of the training you need through an online platform at times convenient for you. For more information, call me, Jim Polzel, your Safety Wars host at 845-694-4170. Or you can email me at jim at safetywars.com. Remember, if you've heard this transmission, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.